A very warm welcome to the first Ben Squared of 2024. And so where else to begin other than by wishing you all a very prosperous and joyful new year? Um, I mean, we also hope, of course, you had had a delicious break and uh, are excited and perhaps pumped to be back at the office. Uh, There might be a bit of a stretch, but maybe this uh, calorie light but content rich podcast can help with your return. And no surprises uh, in this first podcast of the year we'll be getting a little more detail on ben jones's outlook for 2024 as a reminder ben is director of macro research here at invesco ben how are you how was your break uh, it was a good break i didn't actually take any time off but obviously things slow down a little bit so i'm uh, i'm rested and uh, ready to uh, attack 2024 well of course you didn't take uh, a break ben you are dedicated to the investment industry i however ate my own body weight in roses and got a new BMX and was bobbing around the park looking great. But anyway, before we uh, delve into the investment conversation, which is our focus today, I do want to remind the audience this podcast is intended for UK professional investors only, should not be considered as investment advice, and that any capital invested is always capital at risk. Finally, do hang on after the conversation is concluded to hear some uh, additional important disclaimers. Right then, it was a great finish to the year for equities and bonds, wasn't it? You know, it seemed as though the, the dominant narrative was inflationary pressures had faded or fading, uh, policy had turned less hawkish, and that growth was resilient. So, in the context of like a 2024 outlook, m- maybe those factors I think can persist and can continue to support equities. Would you be of that view, or do you have a little more caution uh, in your in your outlook? Yeah, look, I mean, I certainly think we can see that for the, um, the next sort of coming six months uh, or so and possibly longer. Um, I think it's important to say that um, I was a little bit pessimistic on inflation at the beginning of 2023, uh, pessimistic in the sense that I thought it was going to come through hotter than it actually did. Um, and similarly, so on growth, I was a little bit sort of pessimistic on, on that as well. Um, I didn't think there was going to be a recession last year, and that's the way it turned out. Um, in 2024, I don't think there's going to be a global or a US recession. Um, either. Um, and I do think that inflation continues to come a little bit lower, but it probably doesn't come down um, as quickly as um, it has been doing so in 2023. Um, so that last mile, if you will, in the disinflation story, I think is going to be um, a little bit harder. But broadly speaking, if the narrative does continue, then that is something where we can continue to eke out positive gains in, in global um, stocks from here. Um, the risk, of course, is that the market has perhaps got us a little bit ahead of itself. Sentiment is a little bit elevated. Um, and some of those returns that we were looking for in 2024 um, have maybe been brought forward into the back end of 2023 a little bit. But I'm, I'm going into the, this year probably a little bit more positive than I went into, um, into 2023. OK, great stuff. Uh, and so just to um, clear that up then, you're not anticipating uh, perhaps as many cuts uh, from the Federal Reserve as, as the market. One might assume that um, yeah. um, uh, a, a sort of a, a more hawkish turn on policy from where the market is anticipating wouldn't be so favourable for equity markets. But I guess there's more to it, isn't there, than, than just that? Yeah, that's correct. Look, I mean, if, if we get the recession, if I'm wrong on that, and that's obviously when we start to change our views, then actually I think the Fed could cut six times as the market is pricing at the moment, or perhaps even more. I mean, typically more, when yeah, we get maybe. a recession, it's pretty obvious the Fed will cut pretty quickly. But if you continue just to get sort of growth muddling um, along at a quite quite nice sort of clip and inflation comes down close to target, I'm not really sure um, what justifies six cuts from the Fed um, in, um, in that scenario. Um, 
So I think that that's the sort of the line that we're going to track a little bit, and why probably although we've seen this bond rally, I can still see yields perhaps ending 2024 lower than they are now. Um, I don't think it's sort of the same sort of scale and pace of rally that we saw in the back end of, of 2023. Okay, and before looking at sort of any other macro risks, uh, are there any parts of the equity market that uh, stand tall for you, or is it um, uh, is it is bets quite evenly spread? No, I mean, I think that's where the big opportunities lie. I mean, I wouldn't be taking a massive sort of directional beta bet on global equities over the course of this year. So I think they'll probably eke out some sort of low single digit um, returns. But I think the best value is um, to to be had in the relative value plays, really. So um, I really like um, UK equities still. They're, they're deeply um, undervalued at the moment. Many of the companies there, the financials and the um, energy stocks in that area have got really strong balance sheets um, and they're returning a lot of cash to shareholders um, in the form of dividends. I think that's something that can continue. And some of those companies did reasonably well last year, but actually I think they can do a lot better in, um, in 2024. Um, Japanese stocks, again, um, did well last year, but I think, again, they can continue um, to perform well in 2024. Um, and then US stocks, I think, um, can move higher, but I think will broadly lag the rest of the market. Obviously, we know they're trading on more elevated multiples. There's an awful lot of good news priced into um, much of the US um, equity market. So I think that's going to be the, um, be the laggard. I wouldn't be completely dumping sort of some of those really mega cap um, names, but I don't think they're going to be the ones that um, drive the market like they did in um, in 2023, where you sort of those the concentration in the market leapt up um, to sort of the highest level that we've seen since the 1960s. Um, I think that can sort of ease back um, a little bit as we go through the course of this year. Okay, so. Uh, on balance, there's some uh, a, a positive view and highlighting areas where there is uh, yet more um, positivity, if you like. Mm. So af- afraid to pivot to a bearish tone, but let's let's think about some of the risks. You talked about um, a recession that would deliver more interest rate cuts. Uh, you, not your base case that uh, we get a U.S. recession, but what you know what, what is the risk there? What, what is on your mind? How could that materialise? And what would be the catalyst? Yeah, so I mean, look, the the risk to a US slowdown and, and a broad global slowdown is that the um, the consumer really reigns its belt in and starts um, not spending or reducing the amount that it's spending. Um, now, at the moment, unemployment is um, still very low, has not uh, moved materially higher. So broadly, sort of earnings in the aggregate economy are still rising at the moment. That should be positive. Um, but if you start to see companies laying off people, if they start to um, cut costs through that avenue, um, then that will have um, an impact on um, consumer spending. Um, still in the US, we're not really going to see um, consumers getting squeezed by higher interest rates to, to any major degree, um, particularly among um, homeowners, because we know that those mortgages are fixed rates. Um, but lower down the income spectrum, you, you are starting to see some pressure coming through. We're seeing delinquencies starting to rise on, on auto loans, for example. Um, but that's generally at the sort of lower income um, cohort, uh, which obviously means there's some pain in the market, but it's not as broad based um, across um, the uh, the US um, household. So we need to watch those data. And if that starts to change and starts to broaden out, then yes, we need to change um, our view. 
in the rest of the world, in the UK, for example, again, we talked, um, I think it was at the beginning of December, around the, the surprising resilience in the UK um, consumer because the impact of higher interest rates, again, have been relatively slow to be passed on to um, UK households. Um, now, again, in 2024, it is going to become more painful for homeowners because more of those mortgages are going to roll off. Um, but it's not necessarily going to be as painful because we've already started to see that um, mortgage rates are, are starting to come lower. So, yes, effective mortgage rates are going to continue to, to creep higher, but households, generally speaking, um, can continue to deal with those, those higher interest um, rates, in my view. Again, the thing that would make us change our view materially and think that a, a deep recession is coming is if you start to see um, unemployment moving higher in a more significant fashion than it already has. So those are the, some of the key things to, um, to be watching from here. OK, great. Thanks, Ben. Keen to get your view on um, uh, a comment on geopolitics, which seems mm. to have been quite ignored by markets. But before that, you know, another thing that's sort of on investors' minds is, is this sort of Fed pivot and Fed pivot and whether this is like all good news. Is, is there a risk that, in fact, that they do act too, too dovishly here? I mean, it's, it appears as though market sentiment is that the inflation battle is now, is now won, but might it return? Yeah, I mean, look, if, if inflation starts to return, I think, to be honest with you, that's more of the key risk for me than, than the growth pictures. Actually, I think um, given we've got sort of fiscal spending in the US, you've got households and corporates in, in good state, as we've discussed at length before. Um, I think the risk is that you don't get the growth shock, but you get the inflation shock. And actually, you have to see the rhetoric from central banks, particularly the Fed, um, pivot once again and, and turn more more hawkish. So um, that's certainly the thing, the thing that I'm looking um, at at the moment most closely. So if you get a rebound in commodity prices, and we certainly know that the end of 2023, one of the, the big reasons that um, prices were, were lower, inflation was lower, sorry, is that oil prices and other commodity prices were lower as well. So if we get some of these um, supply shocks, and we'll talk about this in the geopolitics section just in a, just a minute, but if you get um, commodity prices moving higher, that could send another inflationary shock through the system and that could cause the um, cause a pivot. Similarly so, look, China last year was a disinflationary force. Um, if that starts to, to shift and you get more of the, the demand-led inflation, which was something that I thought was going to happen last year come through and didn't, um, if that does come through in 2024 um, and you see that inflationary pressure come through, then yes, the Fed probably has to, to pivot again. And then what that will mean is that multiples will um, compress in, in equity markets it, um, but also the bond rally um, potentially could could unwind um, somewhat as, as well. Um, and then obviously you're in an environment where both bonds and equities um, are moving lower. Um, and then we've sort of got the echoes of, of 2022. I don't think it'll be as, as deep or as strong as 2022, um, but you certainly could have um, bonds and stocks moving um, in the same direction and, and putting some pain on, on investors. Um, so again, we've got to watch inflation closely. That's certainly going to be the the focus for me over the next um, few months or so. It's inflation. Okay, and as I said, yeah, ge geopolitics. I mean, twenty twenty three does not seem to well, plenty of stuff to worry about, but uh, markets seem to move um, keenly past the geopolitical challenges that uh, that prevail. Do you think twenty twenty four could be slightly different? Uh, look, 2024 is going to be a massive year for geopolitics. Um, around about, I think it's about half the world's population this year goes to the polls in some form of general election. Obviously, sitting here in the UK, we'll probably very likely have a UK election. It 
seems like that might be in May at the moment. If you um, sort of extrapolate out when the, um, the budget is going to be at the beginning of March, that sort of implies a, a May election. Let's wait and see. Um, in this the 3rd of January today, in 10 days' time, you've got the Taiwanese election. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones to watch as well. It looks like William Lai of the DPP is going to be elected there, and he is much uh, more hawkish on the, uh, the Taiwan-China um, issue. Um, and um, if he talks a more hawkish game, if she talks a more hawkish game on, on that as well, then that could be something that adds some, um, some volatility. Um, personally, I think that will um, pass, uh, though, relatively um, quietly. And although there'll be some, some words um, thrown about, um, I certainly don't see um, a um, the probability of an uh, escalation in the South China Sea uh, being anything other than very, very low. Um, the other thing I think we've got to think about, though, is, as, as you mentioned at the, the top there, Ben, that the geopolitics were, were quite fraught in 2023, but didn't really have an awful lot of impact. And one of the things that I was looking at um, as I was starting the beginning of this year was Israeli stocks, for example. And obviously, we all know very, um, uh, very acutely what's going on in the Middle East. But um, since the end of October, Israeli stocks are up by nearly a third. So they're kind of ignoring the, the conflict a little bit in that region, or perhaps ignoring is not the right word, but it's the, the interpretation or the implication of what these events mean on markets is perhaps not what you would originally think. Um, we can also go back to 2016, for example, and the consensus there was that a Trump election would be negative for stocks. Um, and that lasted all but a matter of hours. And in the coming days, um, stocks were higher and stocks continued to rally through Trump's, um, or much of, of Trump's presidency, at least anyway. So I think the, what we, we all talk a lot about politics, and geopolitics are incredibly important, but I think we need to be very, very mindful of not extrapolating out uh, a sort of knee-jerk or what would be considered an obvious reaction onto markets, because markets have a very, very distinct habit of um, turning out quite differently than perhaps you, you might think um, based on the, uh, these sort of initial types of events. Um, but I do think that geopolitics will be something we talk about a lot. I think it will probably add some volatility um, through the course of this year. Um, commodity markets still are one of the one areas that I'm um, a little bit concerned about. Obviously, we know what's going on in the Red Sea at the moment and ships being um, diverted around some of those, um, uh, those areas. And that is, again, something that could add an inflationary impulse if you start to see um, uh, shipping costs rising again, like they did during the pandemic period, um, then again, that's something that could add an inflationary impulse and something that could be quite, um, quite disruptive. So we're going to have to watch it. But as I say, I, I, I keep repeating the idea, don't sort of think about that sort of knee-jerk reaction. This geopolitic political event is bad for markets because quite often it turns out to be quite the opposite. OK, great. Thanks, Ben. A very neat uh, and thoughtful summary there, particularly, well, throughout, of course, but uh, particularly note your, your words on geopolitics. Uh, but we'll be tracking all of those uh, views in, uh, in future podcasts. But we'll call time today and extend uh, a hearty thank you to our audience for joining us and hope you can join us in a fortnight for our next update. But before you go, I do want to remind the audience of the following important disclaimers. Uh, the value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations and investors may not get back 
the full amount invested. This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only and is not for consumer use. Uh, views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy, regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable, nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication. Issued by Invesco Asset Management Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.